In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. According to the U.S. Department of the Census, 43% of U.S. children live without their fathers. 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 71% of pregnant teenagers lack a father. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions have no father. 85% of youths in prisons grew up in a fatherless home. Fatherless boys and girls are twice as likely to drop out of high school, twice as likely to end up in jail, four times more likely to need help for emotional or behavioral problems. Today is the Feast of the Holy Trinity and perhaps providentially, it is also Father's Day. And these two celebrations are not unrelated. What I just read to you is offered not to be depressing, although it has to be distressing. I offer to you as a kind of shock therapy, a reminder of just how important our fathers are, how gravely important the vocation of fatherhood is and how much gratitude we owe to our fathers. The statistics just read point to a profoundly troubling fact, and that is the gradual disappearance of the father and the consequences of his absence. Last year, for the first time in the history of our country, a majority of children born to women 30 and under, 51% were born out of wedlock. And this points to disaster for all of us, not least of all for those, the children born to those women. I have a close friend of more than 20 years, a clinical psychologist who has worked with children and adolescents for more than 40 years. He does evaluations of young people who are troubled and in trouble. Young people referred to him by judges. Once upon a time, he told me, he asked these children, are your parents married or divorced? That's a standard and important question. But with time, that question became irrelevant. And he began to ask them, have your parents ever been married? And then that question became irrelevant. And today he asks them, have you ever met your father? And time and time again, the answer is no. He's also told me 
that in 40 years of clinical practice, he's never met one teenage prostitute, male or female, whose parents were married. Not one. Truth about most things is in short supply, but truth about the family, and in particular, the importance of marriage and of fathers, is almost non-existent. We all know how important mothers are, but we have been in the process of forgetting just how important fathers are. And the truth is that fathers and fatherhood have been denigrated and mocked too often over the last 50 years. In my own childhood, one of the most popular television programs was Father Knows Best. I loved that show. Watched it every week. My whole family did. I can't imagine a show like that ever being put on television today. Although I usually avoid watching such things, whenever I do, I notice in the situation comedy of today, fathers are too often portrayed as bumblers, inept people who need to be put right by women and above all, children. This isn't a figment of my tortured imagination. A very intelligent friend of mine, a wife and mother of two sons, has shared with me her own dismay and disgust with the way men in general and fathers in particular are portrayed on TV and in commercials, so often portrayed as clueless people, again, people need, in need of being set right by women and above all, children. I don't know if you've noticed that, but in movies and television, the wise people who need to educate fathers are the children. 10-year-olds possessing all wisdom. If only their fathers could catch up. And there's a reason for this, which there's absolutely no time to go into. Popular culture teaches every day and in every way. Bookstores are closing everywhere, but we're told that the average American watches four hours of television every day. And we need to be able to read television and movies the way we once learned to read books. At the end of the decade of dissolution, that is the 1960s, Gloria Steinem, former Playmate Bunny and self-proclaimed feminist, was credited with opining that a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Gloria, however, claims that it didn't originate with her, that it comes from Arena Dunn, an Australian who was inspired by a philosopher who asserted that man needs God the way a fish needs a bicycle. In 1993, Robin Williams made a very popular movie, Mrs. Doubtfire. It's considered to be very funny, but I had trouble being amused because I know how to read movies the way I know how to read books. 
And the message of the movie is clear. Fathers are okay and can be allowed in the house if they become sufficiently feminized, if they become women. All of this has had a great effect on all of us and certainly has had consequences for the church and society. As we heard in the first reading, that very long, long reading, which it's so easy to not listen to because it goes on and on, in that first reading, which contains the seed from which the entire biblical narrative grows, in that first reading, marriage and the family, we hear, is a divine institution, the primal institution, the institution which precedes the fall of man and the institution on which all other institutions depend, most particularly the church, for the church is the family supernaturalized. Consider, if you will, with me the following questions. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God. Who is God? God is the Father of Jesus. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the Spirit who proceeds from the Father through the Son to us so that we can praise the Father in union with the Son in time and eternity. That's what we call heaven. What is the name of God? The revealed name of God into which every one of us has been baptized is as we heard in the Gospel, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God always transcends the categories of his own creation, but this is the name with which God has chosen to name himself, and the name he has chosen to reveal his own triune being. And for this name, there are no substitutes. What is the church? The church is the bride of Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit and his body. Who are we? To quote St. John, beloved, we are God's children now. That is, we are adopted children of God the Father through faith and baptismal incorporation into God the Son in his death on the cross. This incorporation is affected by the Holy Spirit who uses baptism as what the church has always called the means, the means of the gift, the means of grace. Jesus alone, Jesus only, is born the Son of God. We are all born creatures of God who can only become children of God through faith and baptismal union with Jesus, the only begotten Son. Only Jesus has the right to call God Father. And it is Jesus alone who has the authority to give us permission to call his God and Father our Father. We Christians do not call God Father because we are projecting earthly fatherhood 
onto God. That's an absurdity, really, if you think about it. I have children, and I love them more than my own life. I really do. And my children have always told me that they love me. But if there's one thing that they know better than their own names, it's this. I am not godlike. <laughs> hmm? You may have noticed that yourselves. Joachim Jeremias, the great German biblical scholar, has pointed out that in the Old Testament, God is spoken of as father only 14 times and only then as creator, never as ancestor or progenitor. If you've ever even picked up the Bible, you will know how much longer the Old Testament is than the New. In the four Gospels alone, God is spoken of as Father over a hundred times. Jesus spoke of God as his Father. And, Professor Jeremias points out, nobody has produced one single instance <clears throat> in Palestinian Judaism where God is addressed as my Father by an individual person. Think about that. The only prayer of Jesus in which the words, my father, is lacking is the cry from the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's the only prayer of Jesus that does not contain the words, my father. I addressed Psalm 22, which is the first verse, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me on Passion Sunday? It was this insistence on the part of our Lord on his identity as the unique personal son of the God Israel knew as Yahweh that led to his crucifixion. They said that he had made himself equal to God, and indeed he had. Jeremias goes on to observe that there is no doubt that the Abba, or Father, which Jesus uses to address God, reveals the very basis of his communion with God. And I would add, of our communion with God as well. Forty years ago, church bureaucracies began sending me and other parish clergy Letters asking us to limit our use of Father for God and suggesting substitutes. I found them all absolutely absurd. In 1983, the Division of Education and Ministry of the National Council of Churches commissioned and published an inclusive language lectionary. In this explicitly anti-Christian lectionary, we find such strange locutions as this. For God so loved the world that God gave God's only child 
so that whoever believes in the child might not perish but have eternal life. And there's this. No one is ascended into heaven but the one who descended from heaven, the human one. The Father and the Son have disappeared. Have disappeared and been replaced by an impersonal other who has no name. George Orwell would understand. Let me quote the authors of this assault on God, our sacred scripture, and our faith. God, they assert, is not a father, any more than God is a mother or than life is a dream. With these words, they have denied Christ and the God who sent him. They have denied the entirety of the Christian faith and revelation. By reading and hearing God the Father and Mother, or God the Mother and Father, we provide, they say, a metaphor for God which balances the more familiar male imagery of God with female imagery. But of course, our Lord Jesus Christ was never speaking metaphorically when he said that God was his Father. And why must this be done? Because, and again I quote, the image of God as Father has been used to support the excessive authority of earthly fathers in a patriarchal social structure. In other words, the aim of all this is clearly political. God must be banished so that earthly fathers can be put in their place. Or, to put it another way, God the Father must become Mrs. Doubtfire. And here I should add, this so-called inclusive language is being used to destroy the historic Christian liturgies as well as the Bible. And here is a reason to celebrate and treasure St. Michael's. St. Michael's has never, ever succumbed to this. St. Michael's has guarded the integrity of the language of faith, and the integrity of our language is inseparable from the integrity of our faith and from God. How important St. Michael's is the church is the bride of Christ and his body, and it is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God will not desert his church. And while the church is going through difficult times, it is churches like St. Michael's, St. Michael's and others like it, that have guarded and preserved the integrity of the language of faith and therefore the faith itself. It is such churches that are the seeds that will provide for the renewal and rejuvenation of the body of Christ, his bride and his temple. Now, while much of what I said may be disturbing, not meant to be depressing, it's just meant to describe our situation as honestly and frankly as possible to describe where we are and how important it is 
to use the right language, and how important it is on this Father's Day to celebrate fathers and fatherhood. Fathers matter terribly, and I pray that every one of us has a most happy Father's Day. Fathers matter, and our Father in Heaven matters absolutely. Our Heavenly Father is the source of our earthly fathers, and while the two must not ever be confused, neither must they be separated. Today is a day to remember our earthly fathers with gratitude, and to remember that there is nothing better in life than to be taken into the communion of love that God has revealed himself to be, and to be allowed, to be allowed to call the Father of Jesus our Father, in the power and unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen.